Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Morning again. I'm Ben, the lead pastor. If you're new around here, and if you're new and you came at a 10 a.m. Seahawks game, I love you even more. Uh, hey, I got up this morning. Uh, by the way, just want to say, new vest, never had a vest before. Do you know why? Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a model for the before picture. Anyway, uh, uh, do you know why I am wearing a vest? It's cold. It is like, what happened? Six weeks of summer, one week of fall. It is winter, baby, all the way. I literally, I, I'm not sure if it was just my mind. I thought I saw frost this morning. And, you know, in, in Seattle, uh, we have this tendency, uh, winter, winter is coming, not, you know, that other one. But uh, anyway, uh, winter is coming, and last year there was all the snow. I have, a, I have a generator at my house. I had to make sure, you know, okay, all the gasoline's in it, ready for snowpocalypse. Uh, and I came across this, someone who was tweeting, I think it was actually in the Seattle Times, about how Seattleites... Uh, react to snow. He said, wild packs of golden doodles are roaming the streets. Uh, Gluten-free bread lines. People are running low on food but are still well-stocked in edibles. I don't know what that means. Anyway, uh, the, uh, uh, the inspiring thing about Seattle is residents is how much they pull together in a crisis. Why now? I just witnessed a young man letting several others huddle inside his beard for warmth. <laughs> yeah, that, isn't that about Seattle when we get to the winter time? Uh, how many of you are uh, say, you know what? I sort of like winter. How many of you raise your hand? How many of you would say, no, I, I, I'm a uh, well-adjusted person who likes uh, warm weather. Yeah, you like that? Okay, yeah. Uh, well, we are in it. We are in winter, and winter for us is a time when we usually uh, this for the last number of years. We will go through a book of the Bible, and uh, we do that for a reason. We do it different maybe than you uh, have experienced. You know, there'll be churches who, and it's sort of philosophy, you know, we've been nine years in the book of Romans, and uh, we don't do that one. I don't think that's how the Bible was meant to be studied. I also know that you're not going to remember that. What we do, every book in the Bible was written with a message and a theme behind it. And so we start with that theme, and then we unpack what it means, and, and we are going chapter by chapter this time. Uh, in fact, we're spending three weeks in the first chapter, then go quicker after that. Uh, and we're saying, how do we apply that to our lives? One of the things that uh, is similar from the time that this book that we're looking at, the book of Titus, was written, and our time today, is the need for uh, really us taking ground spiritually. And we're looking at taking ground in our life, our faith, and our leadership. And it's that third part I'm going to look at today. Uh, because and maybe you're new around here and you're just checking out uh, uh, God or Jesus. And that is awesome. Uh, but I know for many of us, you're saying, no, that, I'm ready to go to the next level 
in my faith? What's that going to What's that going to look like in my life and my leadership? And that's what I want to look at uh, today. Now, if you're not a Bible person, I wasn't raised around the Bible. Uh, the book of Titus you, is not one that's often studied. It's one of the three pastoral epistles written about leadership. And uh, it's funny, there were a number of things that were going on. Still, there were problems inside uh, some of the faith communities, problems in the world. But he says, hey, you can spend all your time playing whack-a-mole with problems. Or you can focus on how to take ground, and then those problems sort of fade into the background. And that's what we're looking at in the book of Titus. Uh, Titus uh, was written to Titus from the Apostle Paul, and uh, he was leading a group of uh, churches on the island of Crete. Uh, and uh, Now, Crete was sort of like the Las Vegas of uh, the known world at the time. People would come there. They were known. They were literally known for a people who got drunk and stayed drunk, and uh, they were uh, known as uh, people who would lie. In fact, to to Crete, they would say uh, would be uh, to lie. It says in in First uh, Titus one twelve. This is in the Bible, not in your outline. It says even one of their own prophets has said, "Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons." This testimony is true. And when you, how do you like that if you were a, a spiritual leader? And then Paul says, Lions are, are uh, liars, uh, gluttons, evil brutes, lazy gluttons, and welcome to your new church, pastor. And uh, that's really what it was. But here's, see, here's the message. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've come from. It matters your availability to God, and God can use you. You might say, I don't have the spiritual background. You don't need to worry about it. I, was in, I had two conversations uh, this week. One was a, with a group of leaders, see, uh, over a group of churches nationally and internationally, and they were struggling. They had masters and doctorates, and most of us there, well-educated, lots of experience, and saying, okay, I want to make an impact. I want to do something. I want to raise the spiritual temperature so people can have hope in their lives. And yet, there was, you know, sort of caught in old traditions and systems. And then there was a, a guy I had a breakfast with, and, and he just came to faith in Jesus Christ at Timberlake uh, in this last year. And he's still working on a couple issues in his life, but he said, I feel like God wants to use me to make a difference. And if you were going to go off of maybe what you'd normally think, you'd say, well, obviously it's that well-educated group of leaders that's going to make the spiritual impact. But you know that it almost never happens that way. It happens when people like you and me say, God, I am open for business uh, for you. And so that's my hope today. My hope is that you will look at an area in your life, in your family, in your workplace, maybe here in church, maybe in your community, where you would lean into that. The Apostle Paul says this, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And those are sort of the, the leaders of the, the spiritual community. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking about why, why don't we see more of this? Why do we avoid leadership? Sometimes you avoid it in work or in a community organization but especially when it comes to spiritual life. And I think there's some reasons. One, we look out there and leaders take too much heat, right? That leaders, uh, by the way, if, if you're, you just got promoted into management at work and you see a group of people who are in your group standing around and they stop talking, do you know who they're talking about? 
You, that's who they're talking about. And, and you're like, oh, that, you know, that's just sort of how it comes with the territory with leadership. It does, in fact, there was an interesting thing, and I don't, you know, whatever you think about either of these people, that's your own deal. But uh, Alan DeGeneres and uh, former President Bush were sitting together in a, uh, I believe it was a football game, and they're talking and they're laughing, and Ellen got a lot of heat uh, because they're, you know, different politically, a lot of different things. And uh, the idea is, how could you even be kind to someone? And, and her whole thing was, you know what, even if you disagree with someone, be kind to everyone. And the funny thing is, a big portion of our society not only disagrees with that, they're violently opposed to that. And that's why, even though we have prosperity, things have never been better when it comes to what's going on in medicine and, and in our country. But people aren't happier and they don't have more hope because they're buying into a narrative that'll never lead them there. And the leaders who try to lead them there, they sometimes take heat. Even as a pastor, I remember my first few years here, uh, I got emails from time to time. And they weren't, hey, Pastor Ben, you're looking good up on stage. Uh, they were from my special people. And <laughs> you said, I sent you one of those emails. Well, God bless you. Anyway, <laughs> or in the South, they would just say, bless your heart. And uh, so, yeah, it happens. And sometimes we just don't feel qualified. We don't feel like, well, how could God use someone like me? I'm just like new to this whole Jesus thing, and, and why would God use? Well, look at who God uses in the Bible. Interesting, you, Abraham, uh, here, here's a guy who was basically homeless, had a weird relationship with his wife. God used him. Uh, Esther, she had this great opportunity, and she was going to not take it. She had to almost be shamed to do it, because she was a little bit wimpy, quite honestly, you have uh, uh, King David, sort of had all sorts of problems, you know, had life of addictions, sexual addictions, all that kind of thing. And, and it's interesting, you see time and time again, that God doesn't use perfect people, He uses available people. Your, your education and your resume and your spiritual pedigree has nothing to do with how God is going to work in your life, your family, your workplace through you. It's are you open? Number three, we're unsure of the need. We're not sure if they really need, do we really need more people to, to lead, to, to influence? And then uh, number four, uh, we're not sure it'll make a real difference. Uh, Helen Keller, and I've quoted this before, she said, I am only one, but I am still one. I cannot do everything, but I still can do something. I will not refuse to do the something I can do. I, I, uh, last weekend was sort of cool. We, we, we keep stats around here because they're always indicative of life change. And um, last weekend was in the last six years, over a thousand people, a thousand adults have been baptized in the last six years saying, uh, I'm, I'm following Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you've said yes to Jesus and you've accepted Jesus, the next step is baptism, where you publicly identify with the death and resurrection of Christ. And, and I was just blown away that what God has done through you and through me as we've worked together and I got to tell you, it has to do with the spiritual influence of someone in my life. Most spiritual, I've been around a lot of people, a lot of Christian leaders, but the most impactful person in my life was my brother-in-law, Gordy. Uh, his parents were deaf and mute, so, uh, and there weren't, weren't special programs back then, so he didn't really learn to read and write like a lot of people. Had to drop out of high school. 
uh, got a GED to support the families, was a garbage man. Uh, that's what they called it back then, not a sanitation engineer. Any of you old enough to remember when they had those metal cans and they like threw them in the garbage truck? That was my brother-in-law. He looked like Popeye. Like he could defend, he could fight off eight people with his forearms. He was a good guy, came to know Jesus in his mid-30s. And he was, an, he always impacted uh, me in my life. I mean, uh, when I was uh, working out of college, had a job, started to make a little bit of money in, in, in a way that was wonderful, honestly. Had an opportunity uh, to even go to the next level. And he said, you know, I, I know that you feel like God's called you to ministry, and I feel like you're on this trajectory, and you're going to go so far down the road, even though that'll be good, God can still use you, that it's going to be hard for you to take a turn. And so uh, I, say, I, I said, no, that's right, and, and so thankful for that. See, it's usually not between good and bad we make decisions. M many of us are, you know, like, oh, what should I do today? Should I help an old lady cross the street, or should I do evil for humanity? Those are my choices today. Uh, no, the, it's usually more, how, how am I going to make the best decision in my life? How am I going to, that in the long run, that'll, that'll have that snowball effect for good. Well, Jesus, he talks about this need for leadership. He says, Jesus went to all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and the healing of every disease and sickness. So Jesus is doing his stuff, and he said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And, and now check out this next part. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? Few. Isn't that interesting? And these are people, he says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So God, God works through people like you and me. And I wanted to take, as we talk about spiritual resurgence, you know, we've gone through, we, we're going through a great season in our church. It's been wonderful to see, uh, especially the last half a year, what God has been doing in our church and, and more people coming. But that's not the end game. The end game is raising the spiritual temperature, not only in our lives, but in our region, in our communities. That there would be real hope as we continue to send out people to plant new churches. As we continue to have an impact here in our own church as well. And God is looking for people who would say, Lord, here I am, send me. That doesn't mean you're going to uh, be up on stage. You might be. That's great. That would be awesome. It means that you're going to leverage influence in those places where you have influence. Because we can work through all the, the programs we want to, but there's some hope that can only be brought through the person of Jesus Christ. And so my challenge for you today is, and it is a bit of a challenge, so it's going to be a little different than the last number of weeks' message is that you would rise up and say, God, where, where can I leverage my life and lean in? Number one, you got to start with home base. Uh, now, as he writes, he's talking about people who would be appointed spiritual leaders. You need to understand the trajectory. This is a patriarchal society, and you sort of see through the Bible that there's this, this trend line that changes. So it's not, you know, uh, in this society it was all men who lead, and then you see women leading, especially when Jesus gathered his followers, and there's more opportunity. But this, you can apply this to both men and women. 
It says, an elder must be blameless. Uh, and we read that, and you're saying, okay, yeah, that's not me. I'm not blameless. Faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. And the parent of every two-year-old in the universe said, I am not qualified for ministry. And uh, so, right, you know, because if you don't have a wild and disobedient two-year-old, there's something wrong with them. No, the, the truth is, it's saying that the, our home is geared towards developing in faith. It's not this weird sort of thing where we go off and, you know, we're away from the big bad world. In fact, Jesus never wanted you to do that. It's where we're saying, no, we, we, we let Jesus have a greater and greater influence in our home. Maybe you're like, hey man, I didn't grow up with that. Neither did I. Not like ever. Not, not Christmas, Easter. Not a church thing. Not a God thing. But you can rewrite the story. And every decision you make today is writing the story for your life, for your relationships. As a single person, as you're saying, hey, well, I, I'm not married. I don't have a family. Well, the decisions you're making spiritually are making a difference as well in how you order your life. Uh, maybe you're a single mom, hardest thing, or single dad. We have single dads and moms. Hardest thing in the world. And you say, well, you know, it's hard for me to do it. I understand. But God will fill in the gaps as you're faithful. And as a church, we want to support you in that. Uh, Kyle Eidelman, one of my uh, favorite speakers, was talking about his grandmother, Lois, and his, one of his last visits. She's 99 years old. Uh, and she wasn't raised in a Christian home uh, or anything like that. And yet at 99 years old, she still had this joy of the Lord. She was obviously a little feeble, hard for her to move. He said that at 99, she volunteered in a nursing home. Is that something? Yeah, you know, not, not in a nursing home, volunteered to help out those old people. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, amazing life that was oriented towards God. She was reading a book on heaven, and he said, well, uh, hey, that's great. What are you hoping for? And she said, well, I want to, uh, my husband, I can't wait to be reunited with him in heaven because we were married for 73 years. He said, how do you stay married for 73 years? She looks at him straight-faced and says, get married young and refuse to die. And uh, <laughs> so that's how you stay married for 73 years. But see, she wasn't raised with it. She made a decision. And can I tell you that your home, as far as it depends on you, is your decision. Are we going to be oriented? Well, I'm married to someone who's not a believer. Okay. But don't let that be, because it can sometimes be an excuse. You want to honor your marriage, but as much as you can, faithfully and follow Jesus. Show the love of Christ. Number two, confront your dark side. It says in Titus 1.7, it, it describes what, what for if we're going to develop and have influence, we need to deal with some of our own demons. It says not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness. <laughs> One version I read, which is very funny, it said, not given to much drunkenness. <laughs> so a little, okay. No, the, uh, that's not permission, by the way. Uh, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. And you'll notice a lot of that, it talks about your anger. It talks about how, and, and many of us deal with it. I think, my opinion, just from what I've seen, most 
men, I know many women do too, but men in particular deal with some level of anger. And usually it has to do with uh, frustration because life doesn't turn out necessarily as we want it. It's sort of like uh, if you've ever put, any of you ever put together furniture from Ikea? You know, people are like, I love Sweden. Sweden's a neutral country. No, they're not. They wage war with their furniture against humanity. That's what they do uh, because it never looks like it should be in the store, right? Yeah, no, it never happens. And then we get frustrated. And what will happen is maybe you're a compliant, you have people will say there's compliant people and controllers. And both of us are compliant people. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna go say yes, I try to get along, but I'm still frustrated because it's not happening my way. And a controller, uh, you know, I don't know, yeah, compliant marries a controller, it causes conflict. Two compliant people, I don't know what happens in that household. Do you know what happens when two controllers get married? You have what's called the Sigmund family. That's what you have. <laughs> and, uh, and so you have to learn to give grace to one another. And then it it goes through the the other issues that can happen in in our life, that we're not to be given to drunkenness. That speaks to our addictions. Some of you don't deal with that, but many of us, we struggle with addictions, whether uh, it could be alcohol or drugs or maybe it's uh, something else. You know, it could be food or uh, sexual addiction. There's all sorts of things that can really become our focus instead of God. And those of you who, who have struggled through that, you know that, that those never really totally go away. What happens is that there's deeper, uh, bless you, there's a de- uh, deeper neuropathways that happen, uh, and it means that there's something that becomes bigger, and that really leads to number three, lean into your best self. It says, rather, uh, it says, rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, one who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Now, now the, the, the good and upright I get. Okay, do the right things, try to lean into good, not give into my dark side. But then there's also this sense where I am making daily decisions to be self-controlled and disciplined. Because here's the truth, my first instinct is not always my best instinct. That to really make a difference, whether you're talking about a career, your, your physicality, your spirituality, it's the daily decision to draw close to God in a marriage, certainly in a marriage relationship. What will happen, though, is that life can become out of control. And anything out of control can be problematic. Uh, we know that. Food is a good thing. Food out of control can hurt us. Work. Work is a wonderful thing. God made you to be productive. I hope you are very successful in the workplace. But if it becomes our only focus, then it can destroy our family. Uh, I, I get a lot of uh, heat from uh, certain people uh, who I'm married to. And uh, because I drink a lot of caffeine, a lot of coffee, and uh, I was informed there is a website, it's called the Caffeine Calculator, and in that, if you type in your height and weight, it tells you how much it would take of each beverage to kill you, and subtle, huh? And uh, 
it, for, at, at my height and weight, it would take 337.1 cans of Diet Mountain Dew to kill me. <laughs> I'm not close. It would take uh, 39 uh, cans of Spike Shooter. I've never had that. And then to my chagrin, it said it would take 44.9 cups of 7-Eleven coffee to kill me. And I'm like, not one cup, 7-Eleven. <laughs> the, uh, no, but see how a good thing, caffeine actually can help your metabolism, but a good thing taken to the extreme can become a bad thing. So where, where is God telling you that for you to grow in your life and your leadership and your influence, you need to say, okay, there needs to be some discipline. I think it's always around three areas. These aren't in your outline, but they are true. One is always schedule. Do you know what you have time to do? You have time to do everything you've scheduled in because there's competing priorities. My hope is that you're living such a full life that you have all these competing priorities. And so you say, you know, I'm going to schedule in time uh, for uh, hopefully to be with God, to worship. I'm saying this to people who are here on a Sunday. So, of course, you're in for oh, the things that are important in my life, for my family. Family time never just happens. It's scheduled in. Our money, uh, our money is important. It, you can make lots of money and have no money. Or you can be disciplined with your money. I, I've shared this story before. Uh, this guy who was selling us a, a home, him and his wife, uh, he uh, worked his entire career as a school custodian. Not the highest paying job in the universe, right? Him and his wife, his wife was an administrative assistant. And what fascinated me about them is how disciplined they were with their money. They were believers, and they owned 30 rental homes in Santa Barbara, California. Do you know what that's worth? Just shy of a Bezos. <laughs> that's what, no. Uh, you know, uh, uh, today, I don't know what it was back then, but the average price of homes are over a million dollars apiece because they, they put the Lord first in their money. Not a lot, but if you check out the salaries. And then they saved and invested the rest. And I know many people who, who literally make 10 times as much and don't have that, and really aren't even generous because they haven't gotten discipline around your money. We have Financial Peace University. If you're struggling, man, this is not guilt or shame. It's get some help. You don't want to go that way the rest of your life because otherwise money becomes your God, and you have to worship the God of money. Instead of saying, no, I, I, God blesses me with resources. I give to Him, but I also make sure that I'm disciplined with the rest of that. And then also our desires. We have these desires, and that now financial problems can be with that. I mean, it's just desires uh, out of control. And here's what happens is we give ourselves permission. I've had a hard week, and so it's okay if I really tie one on. I've had a hard marriage, and so I'm entitled to do this thing I'm doing. Instead of saying, no, I, the Bible says take every thought and make it captive to Christ and say, this is a hard day. This is a hard season, but I'm not going to look for anything else to numb who I am. I'm going to lean heavy into Jesus. I'm going to lean into the one who gave his life for me, who redeemed me, who gives me hope, who's going to bring me through my current circumstance. 
That leads to number four, let Jesus lead you. That where you let Jesus lead you. Uh, here's what we read in Titus. It says, hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others. And here, here's the deal in our lives is that we'll often come to these junctures and say, okay, what am I going to do? Well, I'm, maybe you're here and you're just starting out your career, your life, and you're saying, how big is Jesus going to be in all of this? Do you know the decisions you make today are going to lead to your destiny? That you're leading yourself on a path? You might be here and you say, I don't know what difference it makes, and I'm, I'm working through the difficulty in my life with my kids. It says, if you're God will be faithful, and you will reap a harvest of righteousness. See, when we let Jesus lead us, it'll sometimes uh, be counterintuitive. There's a very uh, controversial uh, in the news uh, tragedy. I mean, it says a lot about our society, to be honest uh, with you. Uh, you probably read that uh, a man sitting in his own home Brant Jean was killed while he was eating ice cream. And it, because of all the, the complexities of, of police and race, it was uh, a white police officer, Amy Geyer, and she, she was found guilty and sentenced to 10 years in prison and all of that. And so I, I don't want to get into all of that. But the thing that I thought was most interesting was his brother as he read his victim impact statement. And he was pretty honest. He's like, you know, you've taken away my brother and the one I loved and the pain that it caused. And he said, uh, I, I want to be clear. I'm not speaking for my family, for the African-American, for anyone. I'm, I'm just speaking for me. And he turned to this person who had devastated him and said, I just want you to know that I'm a follower of Christ. And because of that, I forgive you. There's a lot of coverage in the media around that, like, okay, should he, should he not? But it's interesting, they didn't read the whole thing, and he, he, he said, I forgive you because I want you to know the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Had she taken, I don't know what happened in her heart, but he was saying, the most important thing in my life, in the middle of my pain, in the middle of my loss, in the middle of injustice, I'm going to say, Jesus, where will you lead me? Maybe you're in a difficult place in your workplace, and it's not going well, and it's not your fault. Would you say, no, Jesus, I want to let you lead in the middle of that. God, give me wisdom as I navigate that. And you're in a difficult marriage. And you say, no, lead me, Jesus, on your paths of righteousness. And I know it's hard. But it, it, you know, when things are easy, it's easy, right? We can all lead. But when life is difficult, unfair, or unjust, and you say, I'm going to change the narrative because Jesus Christ has changed my story. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.